You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hi, welcome back. Utah Car Sense. Presented by Mark that? Miller Subaru. That was, uh, that was my impression of this singer. Uh, <laughs> good song. I, it, you can't help but drum along to that when that comes on. Eric Jensen producing for us today. I'm Austin Horton here with Jeff Miller. Jeff, we were talking in the break about just Dustin Johnson's Justin Donson, Dustin Johnson's incredible round yesterday, where he was 11 under through 11 holes, but then finished with a 60. While Scotty Scheffler, because you've heard of him. Finished with a 59 on the round. And which round would you prefer to have? Which seems like a silly question because the goal in golf is to have the least number of strokes. But what's cooler, to say I shot a 59 or to say I was 11 under through 11 holes? Or 7 under through 5 holes. Or 7 through 5. Unbelievable. That's uh, a crazy start go. to a golf round. I'll never, I played once in a – I was playing in a – tournament with a partner and so it was a team game right so it's best ball and we started the first three holes of a nine hole match with a birdie birdie eagle hmm. no strokes wow that is i and hate the eagle, you <laughs> and the eagle was a hole in one by my partner no way yeah on a par three wow yeah so i made a 40 foot putt on the first one for birdie my partner buried the par four 11th hole and they made a hole in one on 12 wow we were three up after three you ever pretty impressive you ever had a a hole in one yourself i have when i was 18 where here down arizona of course down in arizona oh yeah that's that's convenient i have the the golf ball somewhere where none of us can be a witness to it convenient jeff yeah i was in a fivesome actually (laughs) a fivesome wow as a fivesome so i actually had four witnesses how long did that round take with five of you playing? It wasn't too bad. No? All right. Well, uh, I think I'd rather say I shot a 59, but, golly, it's pretty cool to say you were 7 under through 5 and 11 under through 11. Tiger Woods, by the way, shot a 71. Uh, so forever now, Scotty – what's this guy's name? Scotty Scheffler can say, I shot 59 on a day that Tiger Woods shot 71 on the same day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, current standings, Dustin Johnson is the leader at 15 under, followed by Davis at 13 under, tied with Scotty Scheffler at 13 under as well. So we'll see how that Northern Trust ends tomorrow. Tiger barely made the cut, right? Yeah, and boy, he looked terrible on his approach game. Just horrendous. Did you see that chip that he, he had this little up and over a, a berm to get on the green chip, and it went like a third of the way up the little berm? I don't know what cool. he did. I don't know what, how he even accomplished that. But Also, I forgot Dustin Johnson nailed a 40-foot putt in his round for yesterday. Eagle. That's yeah. stupid. That, that was his first eagle putt. But then when you make a 40-footer and miss a 12- and 10-footer, do you feel really bad about yourself? I'd rather not make the 40 and make the 12- and 13-footer. Crazy. These, I mean, it's a different world these guys playing with the pressure they deal with every day and what they're – I mean, I played, so I, I, just for fun, the first time I've ever done it on Monday of this week, I played in the state AM qualifier. Oh, cool. At Glendale. So 
but so it's but it's tournament golf. You get you're playing as a threesome. You got people watching you. You're fin you're you're finishing everything. There's no mulligans. It's I mean you don't. There's no gimmies. There's no hey take that one. You have to. I mean the guy I played with missed two 18 inch putts. Wow. You got to finish everything. And so many people are not used to putting that 18 incher. Yep. Your partner just gives it, but it was a different experience trying to play with that kind of pressure. Hey, uh, a little bit of NBA breaking news that might be of interest to a lot of our listeners. Uh, Shams Sharania is reporting that the coach of the year award has been named. Any guesses as to who should be getting that there? Eric, you got a Quinn Snyder, you say? Toronto. Nick, it's got to be Nick Nurse. Toronto's head coach, Nick Nurse. A year after making that rental run for, to the championship with Kawhi Leonard, and he's got his team right back in the thick of title contention. Toronto's Nick Nurse is your 2019-2020 NBA Coach of the Year, according to Tommy Quinn Shinsurani. got some votes, though. Uh, I don't see the, the votes breakdown coming out just yet, but I would assume that he got – a good handful of votes because I, I hope the Jazz realize how lucky they were. Well, to right, get Quinn Snyder because he has been exceptional. Well, lucky, and, and you know they did their homework and really did a good job of finding him. And uh, kudos to Dennis Lindsay for uh, going back to the San Antonio connection he had with with Coach Snyder. But still, he's been incredible. And I was reading through some of the Denver Nuggets fans' tweets yesterday during and after the the loss to the jazz and uh all uh, several times saw i wonder if we could get quinn snyder do you think quinn snyder would ever leave the jazz to coach the nuggets boy what we need is a coach like quinn snyder those kind of sentiments being shared around yesterday by the nuggets fans so quinn snyder did not get one vote stop it first place even third place vote he got one third place there vote. Were, oh, 10 coaches in front of him Wow. No way. There's no way that Quinn Snyder is not in the top third of coaches in this league. That's absurdity. Mike, Mike Malone got a second place and two third place votes. No. All right, we're done with this. Okay. We're, we're done. Doc Rivers got a second place and two third place votes. That's, that's, I mean, coach of the year is it's a pretty worthless award, especially when you go back and look at how often the coach of the year is then fired a year or two later? There you go, spin zone, Austin. Not that the not that Nick Nurse is gonna. How get could fired you possibly anymore. give Frank Vogel a vote? Well, he's Jeff. got Anthony Davis <laughs> and LeBron James. Well, he's he got to coach? manage a lot of egos in that locker room, and that's a, an often forgotten uh, attribute and skill that the NBA coach has to possess. Jeff Miller. LeBron James is coaching that team. Let's all be serious. <laughs> that's exactly. absolutely right. Yep, absolutely right. Uh, Ty Lue was only a head coach in the NBA because LeBron James said he could be. So that's all I have to say about that matter. So Nick yes. Nurse, your coach of the year. Hey, let's talk about this Goodyear tires uh, saga for a moment. Uh, a Goodyear employee said the company put out a policy that some think is not equal for all. They, in a slide during a diversity training, this employee claims that the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company put up on the slide zero tolerance. And on one side it said acceptable, and on the other side it said unacceptable. And under the acceptable column was Black Lives Matter, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender pride. 
Under the unacceptable column was Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, MAGA attire, and political affiliated uh, slogans or material. Now, Goodyear uh, has first, at first said, no, 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 that, that's not right. That's not what happened. That's not accurate. But then since then has put out a statement saying the company has revised some of their policies. What is your reaction to the to, to this story, Jeff, other than really we don't have enough to deal with right now that now we've got to throw this kind of stupidity into it where they're listing uh, the political beliefs are unacceptable or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, it's a, it's a tough policy thing out there for them to hit one thing and not the other, as yeah. I guess is the argument of what it is. But I think it's what they're doing is trying to not stoke controversy. I mean, I don't think Black Lives Matters is a political statement. I don't think Gay Lives Matter is a political statement, and that's, but that's my personal opinion. And if their ownership wants to put out their beliefs of what they believe in, they're perfectly right to. And while it's okay, I think, for people to protest companies that they don't believe in, as I would protest a company that I would not do business with a company that doesn't share my values. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's ever appropriate for that to come from the highest office in the land on anything. Yeah. Right. Whether it's Barack Obama, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's anyone, they shouldn't be giving pluses or minuses to any product over another. Uh, the employee said, uh, due to anonymity, because they fear they'd lose their job, they said, if we're talking about equality, then it needs to be equality. If not, it's discrimination. Now, I think to your point, Jeff, some of these statements on the unacceptable side do stoke political ire and, and uh, infighting and uh, problems that we don't need to be dealing with. Uh, just, But... Uh, if you're going to allow one statement, do you have to allow all statements? No, I don't think that that's the case either. But when you look at uh, the Black Lives Matter uh, organization compared to the Black Lives Matter as a statement, then it changes the conversation. When you look at the Blue Lives Matter organization compared to Blue Lives Matter as just a statement, that changes that conversation as well. If someone exactly. is if someone is saying, you know, I'd like to see I'd like to make make America great again and they're not meaning it as a support or endorsement of the Donald Trump administration or if they're wearing a Donald Trump administration logoed MAGA hat, those are different conversations and I'm just grateful that I am not in a position nor will I hope to ever be in a position or I have to draw lines in the sand with my employees and say, you can support this and you cannot support that because it's it's just messy. It just is. So yeah, why, I mean, why not we just we all agree that we love one another and move forward? How about train, that? We train our employees to just try not to get into it. I mean, that if somebody that we train our employees not to talk political with our customers sure. in any way. But, I mean, at the same time, we're going to – I mean, generally, if, if we want to put out a value statement of what our company believes in, it's going to come from me. It's going to come from the top, as I did. Yes. I mean, I'm I probably one of the few leaders in this community that took a stand and put out a statement on what I believe in. And I think that that needs to come from the top. And I don't think if you don't agree with that, then I'm fine with you not doing business with me. 
yeah. you don't, if you feel like what I did was wrong, then that's fine. You can do with what, if, what you want. But I think, I mean, I do agree with the idea that silence is complicity. Is being silent is being complicit. Did you see Meghan Markle's comments before we move on from this about that very idea? Uh, uh, what were they? She was, spe- she was speaking specifically about uh, the need for more women to turn out and vote in, in elections. Uh, and she used that term that uh, com- uh, silence is uh, complacency and the complacency is complicit. And, I, you know, I think that you can dissect that and break it down in each individual scenario. It's not a blanket statement that will always be correct, but almost always I think that is going to be correct. If you see something that you disagree with and you just remain silent on it, you're kind of allowing that to continue. And I'm sick and tired of the, that if you believe in one thing that you're against something else and it's nothing to do with that. Like, I mean, the fact that I have support of BLM and things like that, the statement of black lives matter does not mean I don't like police officers. Correct. Doesn't mean I support, I mean, if you've seen what we've done with the police department, I'm an honorary Colonel for the unified police department. I'm an honorary Colonel for the South Salt Lake police department. We sent a contingency of South Salt Lake police officers to Washington last year for the fallen soldier memorial. Yep. I mean, we're heavy supporters of the police departments because they're necessary in parts of our community. Yes. But at the same time, you can still say that and say they need reform. You can say that about any organization. Absolutely. You can be. I can still support an organization and say that they are screwing things up and they need to fix things. Well, to to be to be frank and honest and a little personal into my uh, current life. I'm a practicing, believing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I believe we need reform in a lot of different areas in our church. I think I can believe both things, right? I think that's absolutely, absolutely. the case. So, anyway, we've become nuance so exists. Yes, and nuance exists, like and we've become so tribal, and it's it's it. I just ah, it bothers me. But Goodyear is has a bit of a mess on their hands. They got to deal with it. There are people boycotting Goodyear. Uh, there are other options for rubber and tires out there. So it's that's sad, Goodyear's it's a, I mean, Goodyear's an American success story. Tell it. Do you know the I don't know the history of Goodyear. I mean, it's American through and through. I mean, you started in, I think, with Akron, Ohio. But, I mean, Goodyear, I want to say it's 60,000 Americans. It's a big number. Wow. That worked for Goodyear? Yeah, in 1898. Frank Sieberling established the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company in Akron, Ohio. Wow. 1898. U.S. company through and through all the way, always. Hmm. Always out of Akron, Ohio. Pretty crazy. Pretty nuts. Hey, let's uh, let's move from a heavy subject. Hey, Want to hear this number too? Yes, please. Three. Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company sold more than thirteen billion dollars. Whoa! In 2003. Wow. They had 92,000 workers oh my around heavens. the world. Wow. That's an important uh, institution in this country. Yep, absolutely. All absolutely. Right. Uh, all right, let's move from the, the heavy subject of uh, Goodyear and political statements to the funny subject of faking your own death. 
Is that appropriate to say? Or, you know, okay. I, yes, I haven't indeed. done that in years. <laughs> you haven't, when's the last time you faked your own death? 855-340. Listen, you always need a plan. Okay? <laughs> Just always, uh, you uh, always need a plan. Eric, you learned in Boy Scouts, be prepared. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. I'm you an really got to think through, though. There's a lot of <laughs> angles you got to look through on this. Uh, you're <laughs> absolutely right. I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm always prepared to fake my own death. So uh, just be prepared, guys. You know, have, have, have a plan. A, a man by the name of Robert Berger, B E R G E R, Bob Berger, which just uh, side note. I knew a man uh, in Southern California when I served my mission there that his name was Bob Berger, and he was a veteran, a World War II vet, and he was the coolest guy I've ever known in my entire life. But it's not this Bob Berger. He spelled it like an actual hamburger. This is Robert Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R, who was arrested and charged for uh, auto theft. He stole a couple cars. Uh, and was charged with felony vehicle theft-related and charges, and he had already pled guilty to them. But in October, according to prosecutors out there in, I believe this is New York, yes, Nassau County, according to prosecutors, last October, his attorney at the time told the court that Berger had died and then submitted the, uh, the death certificate to prove Berger's death. Uh, and the cause of death on the on the letter on the certificate was suicide. Well, everyone signed off on it. Everybody, the the prosecutors, the medical examiner, on and on and on. Everyone except one person signed off on this. And that one person was looking over this certificate, and it was impeccable. It was perfect. It had the right stamps. It had the right uh, watermarks. It had the right wording. It had a serial number, all everything, a state file number. It was all completely correct, except one word was misspelled. He it had spelled the word registry, R-E-G-I-T-S-R-Y, rather than S-T-R-Y. And somebody caught that? And they caught it, and now he's going to serve four years in prison for faking his, his death. And forging documents, obviously. So, as Hans Olsen told this story a couple days ago on the the Hans and Scotty show, the moral of the story is don't let one loss become multiple losses. Right? Yeah. So if if you get pulled over and are arrested and plead guilty for auto theft, take your lumps, serve your sentence, and then get on with your life. Don't then compound it by faking your own death. But how crazy it is it that one person out of I think there was like a list of seven people that had signed off on it as authentic, yes, approved, on and on and on, and then this one person caught that and goes, uh, "This says registry, not registry," and they found the guy and and, and put him away. Pretty crazy. A stuff. plus to that proofreader. Well <laughs> yeah. done. An English major, as it were. Uh, uh, this is a, a pretty cool story out of Saratoga Springs. Uh, and this comes from, you know, Brian Champagne, right? Up at Utah State. Is he still a professor at Utah State? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know if he still is. Well, he contributes on KSL all the time with car stories, and I really enjoy reading them. And he says, if you've ever sold a car that you later wished you could get back and you're kicking yourself for letting it go years ago, maybe you can get it back. That's a big maybe, but Justin Roberts' story might give you hope. 
In 2002, Roberts was a single 25-year-old living south of Sacramento. He paid $2,600 for a 1992 Ford Mustang LX hatchback with a 5.0 engine, five-speed, and a sunroof. Uh, it had a. It, it, by the way, to look at this thing, it's not anything incredibly special to me, but there's obviously some sen- some sentimental value. It had a salvage title, and the seller said that was because it had been stolen, not because it was wrecked. Robert started modifying the bone stock Mustang, upgrading the airflow coming in and out, the gears and the sound system. Put in a lot of work, effort, and money into this thing. He commuted in it and drag raced it now and then at Sacramento Raceway. Soon after buying it, Roberts was part of a bunch of college students faking, or excuse me, taking a trip to Stinson Beach. He said, quote, I surveyed the group that morning and asked the two best-looking girls if they wanted to ride with me. They obliged. I headed off with the smiley young brunette who seemed to dig the car. Roberts and the smiley brunette Rachel dated for nine months and married in June of 2003. We even did a short burnout in the Mustang as we left the church parking lot, he said. Robert said they they bought home they brought home their Christmas tree on top of the Mustang and went on some great road trips together in the thing. When the economy tanked in 07, though, Roberts had a mortgage and family obligations and sold the Mustang for $2,200, $300 less than what he bought it for, with 238,000 miles on it. The first kid who saw it bought it, he said. Gas at the time was near $5 a gallon, and he could never get more than 23 miles per gallon out of it. Well, Robert's father-in-law gave him a Nissan Sentra with a hole in the transmission. He patched the hole with a piece of scrap aluminum and RTV and was on the road to practicality, but he missed his Mustang. Well, flash forward in December of 2018, Robert's old Mustang showed up in some old home movies Robert's and his wife were watching. The nostalgia went into fifth gear and Robert's pulled a Carfax that showed his old car was still in the Bay Area and was still on the road as of 2017. He put out feelers in the Bay Area Mustang clubs and forums, but got no response. Then, in an amazing stroke of luck, as Roberts describes it, he was poking around on the Modesto, California Craigslist and found a listing for a white 1992 Mustang. The ad ad, ad read like it was his, but the photos of a beater didn't look like it. The seller sent him a photo of the VIN, and lo and behold, it was a match. And then they've got a picture here, Jeff, of of the car. And it's up on blocks. There's no engine. There's no windows. There's no windshield. There's no hood. There's no wheels. Nothing. It's just a, a skeletal shell of this car. But for the next 14 months, the Roberts family took the abused pony down to the shell uh, or got it back from the shell and got it back up to per, uh, Im- impeccable shape and brought it home uh, last Christmas. Pretty crazy story, right? What is a crazy story? Sells this thing in 2007 and in 2019 is able to bring it back home and restore it. Do you, is there a car from your past that you really, really wish you could get back and have in your collection? No. I know know there's a couple my dad have out there that he absolutely would want some GT or uh, some GTOs from the 60s that he wishes he still had. He drove that in high school, didn't he? Yeah, I drove to high school, and then he had a car back in like '95, '96, which was uh, the the old Toyota Supras, the big wing Supras. He had a pretty cool white one. Yeah, but I I don't really, I've never really attached myself to too many cars. See, and that that's you know, and you'll admit this. Growing up uh, with your father owning a, a, a car store, a dealership. 
that's the luxury is you you that have was the cars all of these. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So I was in different cars all the time. So. Yep. Uh, but the, then for uh, all the rest of us, it's weird that the the worst car that you own might be the the car you miss the most because that, that first car you have is usually so sentimental. I remember. So my my the car I had when I was sixteen, it had been my grandparents. Then it had been my dad's, and then he gave it to me, and it was a it was a light blue Pontiac six thousand. Yeah, obviously, nice. obviously has not been made for twenty years, probably. Uh, that that. That's pretty sweet. And it was it was a tank. It was made of fortified steel. I I feel like I could have gone through the Berlin Wall in that thing and been just fine. Uh, and I, but it was. You know, growing up in that with when I'd take rides with my so grandparents. That car has actually not been made for 29 years. 29 years. So almost my entire life, this car has not been 1982 manufactured. 1982 to 1991 was its model <laughs> run. And, I, and this was a 1990 Pontiac 6000. So it was near the end of the, of the, of the run there. But it, the transmission one day just gave out. And that was the only reason that that car left me. And I... I still, to this day, I'm sure it was just scrapped. I'm sure no one ever, no one put a, a new transmission in it. But I would love to have that car back, just to just for the the nostalgia factor. But so, uh, this guy with his uh, his Mustang uh, LX hatchback, it may not be much to look at in my eyes, but I'm, but obviously in his, it was really important. Why don't we open the phone lines up on that? Eight five five three four zero zone. 855-340-ZONE. What car do you miss? What car do you have nostalgia daydreams about? 855-340-ZONE. We'll take your calls on that. Coming up in our final segment on the other side, we also need to talk about uh, this situation uh, with the, the car show in Salt Lake City that, was, that actually went off with great uh, success while taking COVID-19 precautions. want to talk about that. And uh, Utah City weighing in on street closure to help struggling industry. We'll talk about that and more. Your phone calls 855-340-NEXT right here on The Zone. Live from the garden. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE is our number, 855-340-ZONE. What car do you have nostalgia about? What car do you miss that you wish you could get back? 855-340-ZONE. Welcome back. It's Utah Carson's presented by Mark Miller Subaru. I am Austin Horton here. Eric Jensen producing for us. He'll answer your calls, 855-340-ZONE. And Jeff Miller uh, with us as well. Socially distanced, but I'm hopeful, Jeff, that we can get you back in studio sooner rather than later. How would that be? I, I would love to be back in studio. It's just not the same. It isn't. I, I, I can't. You can't smell my bad breath, and I can't see your beautiful, smiling, handsome face. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you mean exactly? Perfectly. Hey, hey now. I said it better myself. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, some good news. Uh, as As we continue to see all kinds of things canceled and postponed and pushed back and, and uh, including the Pac-12 football season 
uh, amidst this pandemic, there was a major national car show that got canceled everywhere else around the nation except right here in Utah. At the end of last month, the Good Guys Rod and Custom Association put Salt Lake City on their national circuit for the first time. Harry Davis, vice president of event operations for Good Guys, said they'd been looking to come to Salt Lake for five years, impressed by improvements to the Utah State Fair Park and the healthy custom car scene. Then came the unhealthy COVID-19, and Good Guys was forced to cancel shows all over the country, but not Utah. Davey said his company presented the Utah State Fair Park its 21-page safety protocol handbook, including hand-washing stations, mandatory masks, and adjusting the amount of cars and attendees to the acreage, adding it's safer to do events when you're outdoors and you can spread out better and social distance properly, which is absolutely true. Still, Davey said it was not a free-for-all. While on a good year, they may have been able to draw more than 1,000 cars. This time, they drew about 700, which they're considering a success due to limitations of the park. But, Jeff, I think this is terrific. There's no known cases that have come out. No spread has come out of this of this car show. And they held it here, a national show, right here in our backyard. And everyone was cooperative with the hand-washing stations, the mandatory mask-wearing, and the staying and socially distanced. How it should, it's how it should work. Is that We've got to figure out ways to get back to normal in some ways. But we've got to listen to experts and listen to the health people and say, this is how you do it. And if you're going to follow these guidelines and you're actually going to follow them, like it's easier to say, okay, if there's a mask mandate for all business, but if there's no enforcement on it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Businesses that don't want to enforce the mask mandate aren't going to enforce a mask mandate. And you see it all around the Valley. Right. If but it's just a PR move, it does no good for anybody. You've got to give uh, there was a great, what was the story? Was it last week? The American fork athletic director. It was Thursday night. Yeah. Thursday night, American Ford Athletic Director stops the football game and says, everyone needs to put on masks or we're going to end this game. Yeah, and or at least spread out to an appropriate distance yeah. because they well, were all well crammed together in the stands as though there was no pandemic happening. And as much fun as that is and how much I miss it myself, we got to be realistic and say this is not within the controls we needed to be in so that we can jam all together in the in the bleachers again and, and to the credit of the crowd my understanding is they did so those that weren't willing to do so left and those that were willing to do so stayed and and spread out and masked up and the game resumed at least to my understanding i i, I think yeah, that's, that's what went down i think that's exactly what happened i think that's awesome that's how it should work and kudos to that ad for taking a stand like that because he could have gotten some pretty good angry people at him Oh, absolutely. See what Tanner Ainge has been dealing with. Not that I agree with everything that he believes in and preaches politically, but that whole situation in Utah County that made national and international headlines where they packed that room full and Tanner Ainge became public enemy number one for those people. It didn't make any sense to me. None whatsoever. So as for this car show, the football game, church, whatever you're doing, we can find a way, I think, to live safely in this pandemic if we all just cooperate, if we just get along. And, yeah, it's not the greatest thing in the world to have to wear a mask. It's not fun. It, it might be hot and sweaty. And there are some with medical conditions that require that they not do that. And there's other uh, exceptions that can be made there. Like you said earlier in the show, if you've got a customer that doesn't want to put on a mask, 
or can't put on a mask due to a medical condition or, or a, you, you just ask them to make other arrangements. You, you give them a spot outside or a spot away from people where they can stay and be comfortable and still uh, your business you know, is protected. A, I had a friend of mine in another sugar store across the country. I won't tell you where, but he they had a customer who came in and said, I have a medical condition. I cannot have a mask on. So they disinfected a rental car put him in the parking lot and let him sit in a rental car with AC on in the parking lot. Wow. That's, that's great. That's terrific. Yeah, and that's accommodating the person. And it, it was 110 degrees outside. So I couldn't just say, go sit outside. Right. Right. And, and when so the they, winter months are coming here, you can't send people out in the blizzard yeah. either. So they put him out in a car out in the lot and said, you can sit in the car. We'll come get you when your car's done. <laughs> that's terrific. See, I need, we need more of that stuff to go viral, it's right? Creative, it's creative, accommodating someone. They didn't get in a fight about it. And that's what we've told our employees. That if someone put, says they have a medical issue with it, then let's, we'll figure out ways to accommodate it. Yeah. We'll give them a ride home. We'll bring their car back to them that way. Like, there's lots of ways we can deal with it. And I love that you're providing the masks there for people. That's not... I just ordered... They're not supposed to be here until September because it's a program through Subaru, but I think I just ordered 2,500 masks. Yeah. Well, that's great because there are people who don't. Subaru, that, like, these aren't the, like the disposable. These are the Subaru cloth masks, logo Subaru masks. Wow. And they're, they're, they're good to customers when they come in. We all know people in our neighborhood, in our own families, in our own workplaces that don't believe in or buy in to the idea of wearing a mask. And as much as I'd like to debate with them and talk to them about that and convert them to wearing a mask, it probably isn't going to happen. But any of us, even those who don't buy into that, when in a public place can have the public decency, especially when provided a mask, to put on a mask for 15 minutes and just yeah. get through it. Don't go to that place. Or, or, or frequent somewhere else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's fine, too. We don't need to turn it into a war. Which I, I love that you said earlier. Look, I, if you don't like that you you believe in, in Black Lives Matter and you were bold enough to put out a statement about that, and people don't want to do business with you anymore, Jeff, you said that's their choice, and that's their yeah, right. You're not going to try to you're not going to change who you are to try and fit their agenda. Just like they're saying they don't want to change who they are to fit yours. Right. I guess. And, and any of those people, like feel free to my phone number is available. My email is available. Feel free to call me whenever and we can talk it out. I, I, we are very open with that. Very transparent in how we do business. If you call the, you call the operator, either one of our stores, they'll connect you to my cell phone right away. Yeah, absolutely. That's how we work. 855-340-ZONE. If you want to be part of the show, 855-340-ZONE. We uh, read a story about a man here in Saratoga Springs who uh, chased down his old uh, Mustang hatchback that he had been missing and got it back and restored it. So we're asking for your nostalgia car memories. What car do you miss the most? 855-340-ZONE. And Paul has called into the show. Good morning, Paul. What can we do for you? Well, uh, yeah, uh, about a month and a half ago, we, me and my wife celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. That's incredible. <laughs> And on the picture that we had just before we got married, I had a picture of me sitting on a tote goat with my uh, uh, future wife just before we got married. And, uh, sitting in, and I'm sitting again in the backdrop is a 1969 Dodge Charger. 
And uh, when we got married, or when we had our, our, our surprise wedding anniversary, <coughs> my son had restored an old coat goat. So we have a picture of me and my wife sitting on this old coat goat that he's restored. And uh, in the background, there's a $69 charger that my son owned. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Where did, that's cool. and it's, is it the same one? The same car? No, it's not the same car, but it's, uh, it's just almost, it's the same, almost everything's the same. But you got to reenact the photo that looks yeah. almost the exact, oh, that's fun. That's terrific. Where did you meet your wife? 50 years, uh, we got to talk about this. We, uh, we met up in Salt Lake. My sister introduced us, uh, my wife was a nurse, and she introduced us, uh, about a year and a half before we got married. Very cool. Well, congrats, Paul, and to your wife. What's her name? Kay. Kay. Paul and Kay, congrats. 50 years. That is incredible. I just passed seven years, uh, and uh, I think uh, my wife regrets it every day that, of her life. So congrats to you and Kay. I appreciate you calling in, and what a great story. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. 855-340-ZONE. Jeff, you just celebrated an anniversary this summer as well, did you not? Oh, no, this, pa- this past winter, I thought. When when was this your anniversary? Winter, yeah. yeah. You've yeah, been, what was it, two years? Winter, yeah, but awesome. I had my birthday last month, like the big 40. You, you're not 40 years old. Stop it. 40 years old. 40 years young, I prefer to say. Ah, 40 is the new 30, right? At yeah, least that's what okay. I'm going to try and believe. I just celebrated my birthday a few days ago, and I found out that I had been saying – I gained a year of life back, Jeff, because I actually just turned 35, but I thought I was turning 36. So <laughs> so I gained a year back. You, you don't know how old you are? I did not know how old I was. <laughs> I think it's because – I think – well, I, my wife is just a hair older than me. And so I've been saying her age as my age. And so then I got to my birthday. I was like, wait a second. I am turning 35. I wasn't already 35. So I am now 35. So I got a year back. That's a, that's a good way to do it. Congratulations. Don't waste it. <laughs> Don't wait. But the, the problem is I got a year of life so back wait, maybe, when I can't so do anything with it. You're the person. Ah, I got it off. You're the person we can blame for 2020. Yes, I messed it all up. <laughs> That's right. This is all your fault. I you am. Know? Me oh and the Mayans. Gosh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The pain and sorrow of this entire world we can just put at <laughs> your feet. Because <laughs> I had skipped ahead a year, and the universe said, "Not so fast. You're gonna, you're gonna Austin, remember. Austin, Austin. You're, you're gonna remember your 35th year forever, buddy." Because you I'm gonna, missed it. I'm going to call some news people and get a story on this one. <laughs> Eight, five, I'm, sure five. Gephardt, I'm sure Gephardt will take it. Oh, yeah. He's not busy. <laughs> Matt. Matt's, Matt's got his fingers in every story across this wide country of ours. He is a hardworking <laughs> guy. 855-340-ZONE. The lines are lighting up. Let's get to Troy. Good morning, Troy. How you doing? We're fine. Thanks for calling in. What can we do for you? Oh, I was just going to tell you, I bought a uh, 1981, I bought a 51 Plymouth Business Coupe for 500 bucks. I painted the car, I worked in the junkyard, I I drove that car for 23 years. A friend of mine kept begging me to buy the car off me because he had proposed to his wife and one just like it. One day in a desperate moment, I said, uh, 
bring me 6000 bucks and take the car, but if you ever anything ever happens, I want the car back. He said, great, you got a deal. Well, he passed away a few years ago, and his wife decided that she didn't want to honor that deal or whatever, and she sold it to her nephew. Hmm. Her nephew sold it to a gentleman in Southern California. He, in turn, restored it, sold it to somebody in Washington. They took it back to California, to Palm Springs, to the McCormick Auctions, where I showed up one day looking at old cars, and I had about 13000 bucks in my pocket. And I thought, that couldn't be my old car. I got to looking around, and sure enough, it was Wanda. I could tell. <laughs> and uh, so I wow. got pretty emotional and pretty upset, and I thought, oh, man, i got to have that car back. Well, by the time my thirteen grand came and gone on the auction block, and ended up selling for sixteen thousand, oh. and I didn't get the car. Oh so, man! So then the car went to a—it's uh, gone to an elderly care home in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, I told the guy who bought the car the story, and he took my name and number and wrote everything down, and he says he's going to keep it there for the elderly people to look at and have around and. Hopefully someday he's going to call me back. He said oh, he's wow. going to put it in the glove box, and if he ever decides to get rid of it, I'm the first phone call. So so I'm still praying for that phone call. Well, what a saga. <laughs> wow. What a journey that story that was. A I said, I'm really just impressed that you're able to track that car like that. I couldn't believe I found it at an auction in Palm Springs, California, after that many years. Right. It was a 51 that you bought in when, 83? I bought it in 81. So you bought it 30 years after it was manufactured, and now we're sitting here in 2020, and it's still uh, around. That's incredible. It's, yeah, and it's a, it's a little business coupe, so it's kind of a little two-seater with the big trunk. Sure. Uh, me, and my, me and my best friend slept in the trunk one night deer hunting <laughs> when it started to rain. We were just out on the ground, and it started to rain, so we crawled in the trunk, and that tells you how big that is. It is. So, it's a big, big trunk. It, it's it's a beautiful car, and I, I, in fact, I was just reading a couple weeks ago about a, a not a similar story, but a, a guy that had restored a Plymouth business coupe, and he was saying that if they weren't big sellers at the time that they were made, but now they're one of the most sought-after vintage cars that you can that you can look for. Oh yeah, if I ever see another one, if it gets close to me, it's mine. Oh wow. Troy, thanks for calling in and sharing that story with us. And uh, if you ever do get your hands back on Wanda, you give us a call. I will. You all have a great weekend. Thank you, Troy. How about that, Jeff? Wow. What That's a, crazy. What a roller coaster that story was. That was fun. Uh, I, was, I know. I was, like, I was listening to the whole story, and I was really hoping it had this like amazing, happy ending. Sorry, say it again, Jeff. I was really hoping to have this like amazing happy ending. At the end of right. Like, oh, man. Well, and it does. It's 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 a good it's a good thought to think of those uh, elderly in, in that home walking by a car that probably has some some meaning in the memories of their of their life as well. To have that there to look at and remember some fond memories, hopefully from their life in years past. But it'd be nice if Troy could have got Wanda back for sure. Uh, let's get back out to the phone lines. 855-340-ZONE. From cars to the Utah Jazz, I believe. Alex has a question for us. Hi, Alex. Hi, Austin. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. 
Um, so just wanted to kind of gauge your confidence level and and uh, and and, and kind of see how you're feeling about the the series right now that the Utah Jazz are in with the Nuggets, and then and then uh, and then going on to the next series because I I mean I've been really really impressed with what's happened, um, but. I, I'm always just nervous to get my hopes up and just kind of wanted to get an idea on how you feel about this series and then and then forward. Sure, the the life story of a Jazz fan, right, Jeff? Don't get your hopes too high because they'll break your heart. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, this, from everything you've seen in the last two games, the Nuggets have no clue how to deal with the Jazz. Just zero. I mean, there it is an utter decimation of a team on both ends of the court. I don't you never know what's going to happen in game four. Maybe some adjustments are made, but I don't see this turning. That's my knock on wood. Statement there. Oh, don't knock on wood too loud. The dogs, the dogs don't like you knocking on the wood there. That's, that's, the, the, the dogs disagree or do they agree? I'm not sure, but uh, I think they agree. That was their, that's their jazz support. call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, They're big jazz fans and they don't, but the, I think what the beauty of it is, I think there's a reason the jazz lost all those games in the bubble. They wanted Denver. They want the Clippers. <laughs> they match up pretty well with both, and that's crazy to say. Up great when with those two teams, they don't match up as well with Oklahoma City and Houston. Right. And and not no not many do. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, and just no one matched up the Lakers. And the Clippers so will be a monumental can, task, but they're capable of it. They set up the line they have, and they feel like they can game plan for Quinn. I guarantee you, for the last six months, has been game planning for those two teams. <laughs> Do you think and, there's a possibility they would play the the Mavericks? Do you think the Mavericks could win their series? Uh, I I don't now that Luka Doncic ha, has that injury, and I know that yeah. he without Luka, it's not. The they're still awaiting the MRI, but I just feel without him, it's it's not going to happen. And without him at full strength, now my my confidence level in the Jazz right now, after Game One, I would say I was around a seven. Out of ten, that the Jazz. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I bought into the whole. Oh, it's just one game. A win counts as one, and a loss counts as one. Then game two, I looked at what Donovan Mitchell was able to do uh, again, even though it wasn't fifty-seven points, but it was still incredible. And I and the Jazz pulled that thing even, and, and still without Mike Conley. And I went, boy, if Mike Conley can come back and be anything, this is no longer a series. And then game three happens yesterday. And I saw a Denver Nuggets team that is not playing team ball. They're not communicating. Their coach has no answers. They're not – their body language sucks. They have quit. They're not playing hard. They're not playing hard at all. And I'm having a hard time, Jeff and Alex, holding on – holding the reins back and still buying into the, well, one win counts as one and one loss counts as one after what I saw yesterday from the Nuggets. Absolutely, yeah. And so I'm on about a nine right now that the Jazz are headed for a gentleman's sweep of the of the Denver Nuggets, unless Nikola Jokic can go for 45 or 50 points in Game Four. I think this thing's all but done. Awesome. So awesome. That makes me feel better. Do you know what's been interesting to see too is the to watch the spreads. The spreads have gone from like four or five points in the Nuggets' favor in Game One to the Jazz being a three-point favorite in game four. Yeah, yesterday the Nuggets were just a one-point favorite, and the Jazz won yeah. by 37. So, 
<laughs> yeah, the, the spread tomorrow night's a three-point spread for the Jazz. And now, obviously, the spreads are not predictors. They're not, the, the, but they're they're trying to get you to bet your money and uh, take it take theirs out of the middle of of the bets. But still, for it to go from four and a half in favor of the Nuggets to now the Jazz, it it really tells it does tell the story of how this thing has totally flipped. Does. Yep. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for calling in. 855-340-ZONE. Before we head out for the weekend, let's get to Harley, who's been patient for us. Hi, Harley. Hey, guys. Thanks for the great show. I just wanted to make a comment. I used to have a 63 split window Corvette. Oh. And, uh, you know, if you if you guys are familiar with it, it used to have an ignition switch yes. that you could pull the key out and wouldn't have to use the key to start the car. It was the first you know, to ever be a keyless start. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it just so happened I must have been spaced out of something. But anyway, I forgot to lock it one night. And wouldn't you know, I left it in the in the keyless start mode. And somebody came along and drove that sucker away. Oh, my God. And I didn't realize it until the next morning. Well, I called the police, found out and uh, that they found the car about a mile away from where I lived. And somebody had spray-painted the inside of the car. Why? With yellow paint. Why? That is so stupid. <laughs> um, what a waste. Anyway, it wasn't really, really bad. Uh, they, they had it towed down to a dealership, and they removed all the yellow paint. But it just so happened to be a comedy of errors where I, I forgot to lock it one night. I left it in the keyless mode. And some guy came along and said, hey, I need a ride. And he took off in that thing. But wow. uh, it was interesting. I got it back, and they hadn't, uh, they hadn't hardly driven it at all. I don't know why they didn't take it to, to Mesquite or something. Like right. That. Wow. Harley, thanks for calling in. I'm glad you got back. Glad the damage wasn't too much. But why would you, why would you ever steal such a nice car and then not take advantage of stealing it, Jeff? I mean, I'm no criminal, but that sounds like a pretty stupid idea followed by a very stupid idea. That's one nice thing about a lot of our criminals in this country (laughs) is that they're not very smart. Thank you, Harley. Thanks so much. Jeff, tell (laughs) the people how they could get a hold of you down there at the store. So it's easy to get a hold of me. You can call either one of our locations and just ask for Jeff Miller. They'll transfer you to my cell phone, or you can feel free. So two locations, 3535 South State or 109th South in the South Town Automall. Or you can always just send me an email directly at jeffm at markmiller.com. And my, my parting bit of advice is if you're in the market for a Subaru, check out Mark Miller Subaru's rental program. Drive it around for a few days. See how it fits in the garage. See how it works with your family before you make that purchase. You're all right with that, right, Jeff? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jeff, have a good week, and uh, we'll see if we can't get a, a gentleman's sweep out of this ne- these next two games for the Utah Jazz, huh? Sounds good. He's Jeff Miller. For Alex, uh, or excuse me, Eric Jensen behind the glass, I'm Austin Horton. We'll see you next week on Utah Car Sense.